0: Hello, this is Brandon from Motivational Speech Podcast. I have a great gift for you. I'm sharing some of the highly valuable life-changing free audiobooks. You can find the audiobooks link in the description. These audiobooks can change your life, so don't waste them. If you do not listen to that thing that beckons you forward, you will pay for it like you cannot possibly imagine. You'll have everything that's terrible about life in your life and nothing about it that's good. And worse, you'll know that it was your fault and that you squandered what you could have had. All right, you got three years, man. You're going to live them anyways. Devote those three years to setting the world up around you so that it's the best it could possibly be for you, as if you were taking care of yourself, as if you cared for yourself. Well, what would that look like? You know, let's say just for the sake of argument, if you figured out where you were, that you could have what would be best for you. Well, what is that? I bet you you never asked. People don't ask. And so life comes at them like random snakes, and they sort of fend them off. And life goes by and things don't work out the way people expected them to. But a huge part of that is they didn't know where they were because they wouldn't look or didn't know that they should look. Ignorance and willful blindness, right? Two great catastrophes. And they never figured out where they wanted to go or why. Now, there's a problem with figuring out where you want to go. And the problem is, is that you make your conditions for failure clear to yourself. And people don't like that. So if you keep yourself in the fog, then you can't tell when you screwed up. Now, that isn't so good because you're still screwing up. You're just too blind, self-blind to notice. Although, in, in in the short term, that's less painful. If you make your criteria for success razor sharp, then you know every time you screw up. But that's great because then you could fix it or maybe you could adjust your damn plan. Either way you can fix it. It seems to me you might as well make it the best one you could live in because you don't have anything better to do. You can't make yourself interested in something. Interest manifests itself and grips you. That's a whole different thing. And so what is it that's gripping you and and how do you conceptualize that? Is that a divine power? Well, it's divine as far as you're concerned, because it grips you, and you can't do anything about it. And so, there's a calling in you towards what you're compelled by, and what you're interested in. And sometimes that might be very dark, and sometimes not. But you're compelled forward by your interest. And so the idea that what moves you away from your country, and your father's house, and the comforts of your childhood home is is something that's beyond you, and that you listen to and hearken to. That's exactly right. And you can say, well, I don't want to call that God. It's like, it doesn't matter what you call it, exactly. It doesn't matter to what it is, what it's called. It still is. One of the things that I've been struck very hard by a number of writers, Carl Jung, obviously among them. I mean, he he wrote things like Nietzsche, that if you understand them, they just break you into pieces, you know. And, and one of the things that Jung understood and the psychoanalysts understand is one of the most terrifying elements of psychoanalytic thinking is very tightly allied with religious thinking, which is that you are not the master of your own house. There are spirits that dwell in you, within you, meaning you have a will and you can exercise a certain amount of conscious control over your being. But there are all sorts of things that occur within you that seem to be beyond your capacity to control. Your dreams for example that's a really good example or your impulses for example you might you might think of those as so foreign from you that they're not even you don't even want them to be part of you but but more subtly even how about what you're interested in what compels you like where does that come from exactly because you can't conjure it up of your own accord you know so if you're a student and you're taking a difficult course you might say to yourself well i need to sit down and study for three hours but then you sit down and that isn't what happens Your attention goes everywhere, and you might say, well, whose attention is it, then, if it goes everywhere? Because you say, it's your attention. It's like, well, if it's your attention, maybe you'd be able to control it, but you can't. And so then you might think, well, Jen, just exactly what the hell is controlling it? And you might say, well, it's random. It's, well, it better not be random. It's driven by the action of of phenomena that I think are best considered as something like sub-personalities, although even that's only a partial description. You can't make yourself interested in something. Interest manifests itself and grips you. That's a whole different thing. You are not committed to something unless you're willing to sacrifice for it. Commitment and sacrifice are the same thing. You have to make sacrifices. And what do you have to sacrifice? You have to sacrifice that which is most valuable to you currently that's stopping you. And God only knows what that is. It's certainly the worst of you. It's certainly that. And God only knows to what degree you're in love with the worst of you. Well, so you move from the unbearable present to the ideal future. And, and you can't help that. You have to live in a structure like that. That's your house. That's another way of thinking about it. And if you want to get your house in order, and if you want it to be a place that you can live properly, then you have to plan the future that is perfect. And then I think, well, what does that mean? And... It means it's good for you. Well, it's a real conundrum as you become successful because you're in a situation where if your children ask you for something, there's no formal reason for you to say no, you know, because you can provide whatever is being requested. But by doing that, you steal from them the opportunity to generate that for themselves. and. Well, it's the, one of the dangers of prosperity. The, the ideal that you're observing that makes you jealous and resentful is in large part an illusion that's created by your own mind. You know, I, I can give you just one example. Is like, I know a fair number of extremely wealthy people and um, most of them, most of the people I happen to know are people who've made the, their money themselves. And I tell you, man, they have a burden of responsibility that would, would crush me would crush the typical person they're, they're just working flat out like 90 hours a week and they have thousands of people depending on them And you know they have their money and, and they have their status and that's not nothing but don't be thinking that there isn't a price to be paid for that you know they don't see their families they're often divorced they don't see their children grow up and, and they don't have time off now there are wealthy what would you call playboy types i suppose who live out the dreams of wealth of a foolish 14 year old but they're not that common and you have to be careful of what you're jealous of because you don't really know what it is comparing yourself to who you are now that's a game you can win and like i've seen this be effective in many many cases in my clinical practice for example it's like you take stock of where you are You know, what your advantages are and what your disadvantages are. And then you start with a little humility on the path of incremental improvement. And, you know, incremental improvement compounds. And so you can get a long ways. And and then it's, you see, because trajectory in some sense is more important than position.